My name is Mike Lind, and uh, I've joined the executive board team this, this year. And uh, so I'm one of the two trainees with the group. Um, and uh, I wanted to give you a couple updates, and, uh, but I want to first start off with um, prayer. So please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together as a body of, with Christ. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to worship you today and to spend time learning more about you through your word and through Kevin's preaching today. And Lord, we ask that we get the opportunity to have community with each other and grow, grow our faith together as we grow bonds with other fellow followers of Christ. And Lord, as we face a busy week ahead of us with Thanksgiving week, uh, we ask that, that you'll have the Holy Spirit work within us to really have us focus on being less selfish and more selfless as we interact with our family, our friends, our coworkers, and our neighbors so that we can help focus and, and really help them feel the love of Christ in their life. We also ask, Lord, that you help us with our eyes. The Holy Spirit, help us train our eyes to look for opportunities this coming week and in the following weeks, to really see opportunities to affect those around us so that we can give words of encouragement, friendship, that we can console, we can help, and really, again, show the love of Christ as we go through our day-to-day -day activities. So help us develop our eyes so that we can see the opportunities that sometimes we walk right by and ignore. Lord, we ask that um, we can be the salt and the light to our fallen world that we live in, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So now I'd like to have us uh, go through uh, and pray together the Lord's Prayer. You'll see the words on the board behind me. These are the, this is what Jesus, when Jesus was asked by one of his disciples, how should we pray? John the Baptist taught us how to pray. How should his followers how to pray? How should we pray? And this is the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples that we've been reciting since then. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those that have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. So I wanted to give you just a couple updates from the executive board. I see a few executive board members here and uh, past board members. Um, really two things I wanted to, to cover real briefly. Uh, number one, yesterday was our training day. Once a year, the executive board gets together and trains. And being new to the board, this was a, a treat for me. We got to, now it's going to sound dull, but we got to dive into all the policies, line item by line item. But for someone new, I learned a lot in doing that. And I know Steve Terlau even said he's, this is his second or third iteration. He's, you're still learning, kind of like when you read the Bible. You can read the same passage over and over, but you'll pick up new nuances every, every time you get a chance to review the Word of God. That's the same with our policies. And so we spent most of the morning yesterday going through the policies. Joel, you were a great help talking through the governance. 
And um, then the afternoon, we spent time looking at some strategic long-term vision plans for our church. And you'll kind of hear some of those throughout the, the, the year coming forward on updates from us and also through the words of Kevin and the, the teaching team. Um, the other thing I wanted to just to give you a brief glimpse of is how we work as a the board. We meet once a month, uh, the six board members, and we, we uh, generally uh, on Thursday, on a Thursday evening, we get together with Kevin Corver, and then he invites um, two of his key leaders of his staff. We don't have the whole staff attending with us, but Katie Peterson uh, attends, and then also Darren Wogan, and it used to be Dan Sorensen before, when, before he retired. And uh, we will pick, uh, we have an agenda set for the whole year where we go through a handful of policies every month. And uh, Kevin's group does a tremendous job. I, I don't know who to give all the credit for, Kevin, Darren, Katie, really giving us detail of what the church is up to pertaining to every, uh, every, every policy that we're going through with them. And uh, we really have a rich dialogue and we enjoy our time getting into the, kind of lifting up the hood of the church, so to speak, to see what, is, uh, what, what we're doing. And uh, the, Kevin's team does a great job following the, you know, staying within the guidelines that are set by our policies. Uh, and our, our policies are really like guide rails for them to stay within when we try to give them as much creative leverage as they can. And I think it works very well for our church. And this system is quite mature. I think it started, we were talking about 2004, 2005. And uh, so I want to thank everyone that's, there's a lot of board members or ex-board members out there and also staff members that have helped develop this board, um, these policies. Uh, being new to it, this is the first time I've really got exposure to the policies in depth. And they are really comprehensive and very complete. And uh, so it's, we, we don't have to do a lot of creating on our part, maybe just a modification once in a while when we want to uh, change course a little bit as a church. But it's great to see the governance process in in play here at church. And I wanna thank Kevin's group. They're very transparent. If I had to boil it down to one word, they're very transparent on what the church is up to and where we're going with our direction and our vision. And so it's been, a, it's been a, a really a treat to get to spend three different meetings on it and get to know the board members better. And just, we're all, we're, the board is here to represent you know, the, the congregation and the members of this church. And so if you do have anything that you would like to interject to us, we do have a website. That you, on our website, you can find us a, a, our email address, and you can give any ideas and suggestions. We're always open to that, as well as Kevin's staff. So thanks, and Kevin? The email address is not kevink at trcpod.com. <laughs> just as, just a fill, adding a little bit to what Mike has said. Thank you, Mike. Just so you know, congregation, just a little more education. So every, every year, uh, I am, I am uh, evaluated for the staff 15 times, one five. And we provide uh, electronically and in paper several hundred pages of information which the board sees. So 15 evaluations, all the financials, how staff relates to the congregation, how we relate to each other, just a whole variety of things. And then once a year I have a personal uh, evaluation. I want to just, just say it publicly. So I answer these questions every year and I have for 30 years. Here are the questions. What is my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with Lane, with our family, with the staff, things that have influenced my ministry, where have I sinned in the last year, and what is our stewardship to the penny? I have shared that for 30 years with our elders. 
So I want, I'm telling you that because we just want to say thank you for the system of governance that we have. It's really, really excellent, and thank you so much. Now, I'd like to ask a favor today, and I'm, I don't like to do this very often, but I'd, I'd like to ask that today, if you, would, if you could be really listening for the voice of the Lord for you. I don't know why, but I think the sermon today is very important for a whole number of people. And so I'd like you, I'll try to be uh, clear in communication, but would you open your hearts to hear from the Lord? Now, like, can I just offer a prayer and make a request? Lord, would you uh, quiet our hearts and would you quiet our minds even? That whatever you have for ones of us, persons, individual people, or even groups of people, you would make that clear. Would you prepare the soils of our hearts? And then we pray that we'd be willing to take steps of faith as you lead us. So we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Could you open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 7? This is the last paragraph of the, Lord, of the Sermon on the Mount. Be reminded it's a full sermon, and we've been trying to go through it over the last 12 weeks. I'm going to read it and make a couple of comments, and I want to take you through it very carefully today, because I think this is, something here is important, and I'd like to invite you to be open to that. Chapter 7, Matthew 7, beginning at verse 24. Please hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew against that house, and it fell with a crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he is taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. People of God, this is the word of God. Well, one of the things I observe, and you read lots of commentators about this, it, it's a real simplistic ending to the Sermon on the Mount. It goes something like this. Jesus is the rock, build your life on him, and if you don't, you're gonna go to hell. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. That's kind of how it's talked about. But I wanna come at it differently this day because of all that's around this passage. But where I think it's incredibly important today, and I think this is what I'm inviting us into, it, it, it comes back to this question, who is your master? Who is your discipler? Who or what trains you how to live? That's really what I get at. And I think what this passage is about fundamentally is about living a life of love. Now, let me explain this. I'll do this passage real quick. I gotta watch my time. Hang with me, okay? Hang with me. Jesus, last week's passage, talks about the wide road and the narrow road. And we typically say the wide road is the road that goes to hell. And the narrow road is the road that goes to heaven. I'd like to acknowledge that could be an interpretation. I think it goes differently. And this is what's different. Jesus says the road is wide and many are on it. What does he mean? He's giving us a description in all through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 what it looks like if you lived as though Jesus were living his life through you. And the road is wide that most people don't want Jesus to live his life 
through us. Narrow is the road, and fewer on it are people who say, I want to be on the road with Jesus. Now, let me boil it down. The road is the road of love. Agapao, four words, Greek New Testament. The word that is used repeatedly here is agapao, to will and do the good of another. The road is wide that leads to selfishness, self-absorption, and disobedience. And the road is narrow that leads to love. And Jesus said, not many people are on that road. So what he's been trying to say to us repeatedly is, I want you to be like me in what we say and do and think and are. Now, having said that, let me just, do, I talked about disciples. May I have, uh, who's, who's back there? Is that Morgan? There we go. Morgan, thank you, honey. Can I have slides four and five? So this is, this is what I was poking at. And, and I, please don't blow me off as an old guy today again. <laughs> I, 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 this, I have, this is really important. Today's important. This is what I said to you 12 weeks ago. I'm quoting myself. The ultimate freedom we have as individuals is the power to select what we allow or require our minds to focus on and to think about. All the creatures on the planet, we are the only ones who can focus our minds. Now, what I've said to you repeatedly is, over these years, what we focus on here is connected to here. So what happens here affects my desires and then how my feelings and how I live. So we get to choose what we will focus our minds and hearts on. Look at the next slide. So then the question is, I'm asking, I'll, ask, I'll read it as written, who teaches me? Whose disciple am I? We all are all disciples of someone or something. We learn to live from somebody or something. There are no exceptions to this rule. We build our lives on whoever our master is, whoever our discipler is. Now let me read something to you from a book entitled A Non-Anxious Presence by Mark Sayer. This, so don't hear this as a ding. In the network world of 2022, even the most committed church person will consume only a tiny fraction of information or input that is in the words of Jesus. Almost all our input comes from our digital networks. It shapes our opinions, our values, and our worldview. Listen to this sentence. The digital network is the primary shaper of American Christians' theology. He goes on to say, a congregation may be physically present on Sunday morning, but the primary influencer of most Christians in America's lives is their digital network, whatever that is. So go back, back one, Morgan. Ultimate freedom we have is where we will put our minds. Next slide, Beck. Who teaches you? Who disciples you? You are someone or something's disciple. Who is it? 
What is it? It will affect everything in your life. So we read the Sermon on the Mount, and we just think, well, that's just a bunch of hooey. I can't do it. And we think, well, sin management. Okay, sin management. Here we go. Here's the big word, sin management. Okay. Jesus said, don't be angry. I'm not going to be angry this week. I'm not going to lust. I'm not going to be murdered with a tongue. I'm not going to lie. I just got to be a better Christian. No, you don't. Stop it. You need to know that Jesus delights in you, and you're invited to delight in him. And when you know you are delighted in, and you know someone loves you like crazy, you live out of that love. Yes? Don't hear him. You don't, please don't be a better Christian. No. Fall more hopelessly in love with Jesus. And if on my phone, and I'm on my digital networks, and my television, and my podcast, and all those things, many of them are very good. When do I hear the words of Jesus? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And my phone says, my networks say, now, can I just, is A with me okay? So you know this, don't you? You all know this. You know your digital networks are being manipulated by bots and large organizations. You all know that, don't you? Who's behind that? Let me quote the scriptures. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers in the heavenly places. We are being manipulated as a world by principalities and powers. And with the wide is the road of hatred, anger, judgment, lust, drunkenness, craziness, boom, and many are on it. And Jesus, oh no, don't do it. Go on a different road. It's a narrow road. It's the road of love. What am I love? It is to will and to do the good of the other. That's what it means to build your house on a sure foundation. It's not about keeping rules. It's not about being religious. It's not about sin management. That's all a bunch of garbage. It is about being hopelessly loved by Jesus. This week, Lane and I spent time with uh, families, all of whom lost children. And we're listening to that, the, as we shared a very poignant, poignant time. And to see the hurt and the pain that we share as a community. As I thought about that moment, Monday night and this morning, I thought, which of my digital networks is going to help these parents grieve the loss of a child? Who's going to help them? Who? We could sit in that circle and we could cry. And what came out over and over 
were these snippets of words of Jesus. We were building on a foundation of love. Well, let me go a little farther down the road here. How about this last one? Number six, please, Morgan. Nothing has the ability to move in us, to move us to wrong actions that we have not given power by what we allowed to be in us. Whatever we are inputting, whatever is coming in is affecting this, which affects this. The devil don't make you do it. I choose to do it. Go back to the Sermon on the Mount. I choose to be angry. I choose to lust. I choose to lie. I choose to judge. I choose to act religiously. I choose to, because I am letting all kinds of stuff come into me. Instead of hearing the words of Jesus, shape my head, shape my heart, shape how we live. So my question is, listen again, everybody. Who or what is your disciple maker? Who or what are you listening to? Because it affects everything about us. Do you see how quiet it is in this room? Pay attention to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. There's something here this morning. Let me go back to the passage now. If I say more, give me seven and eight, and then go back to the passage. So here's seven. We build the house on, of our lives on the rock as we form insights and habits that keep us aware of and focus on the kingdom of the heavens. We develop focus and habits. So let me just, just blank screen. So what I did this week, so I'm, I'm always trying to practice what I preach. So this week, I said, I, I, want, I, want, I want to, in, in the midst of many meetings and things, I wanted, to f- I, want, I wanted to train my brain to focus. I wanted to be singularly focused. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So this is what I did multiple times a day. And can I just, just debunk a myth? I don't sit around all day, read the Bible, and sing Kumbaya. Okay? So what I did was I listened. I listened to Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It took me 14 minutes, four or five times a day. I hand-wrote Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I read it, a different, different one of these practices all week long. And so when I sit with families who've lost children, as have we, my perspective has been shaped by the words of Jesus. It's not my digital networks, and there are many. I am being shaped by Jesus. Said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And as we sat together and cried as families, we experienced blessing, not in the loss of our children, but in the moment that we together listened each other's hearts. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom, the reign of the heavens. And that's what we share. The next slide, please, Morgan. And then we'll go back to the text. We build our lives on sand when we refuse to focus on what is best and eternal. We build our lives on the rock when we are building our life on a relationship with Jesus. We build our lives on sand if it's anything else. Let's go back down to the text. I'm going to take you through it because I want to explain it to you. Chapter four, 7, 24. Before I read 24, let me take you back just a little ways. Could I please? So chapter 7, verse 12. Chapter 7, verse 12. So Jesus said, he's talking about asking, seeking, knock. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Verse 13. So hold that. That's the golden rule. Do to to others what you'd have them do for you. Now what does Jesus say? Enter the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many are on, well, enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. What's he talking about? Everything's preceded, but look at verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Brothers and sisters, almost nobody today is on that road. You want to hit me? Come on. Give it back to you. You're going to post something about me? I'll post it about you. You mess with me in my work? I'll, talk, I'll, I'll, I'll spread some gossip. I'll talk to you. Come on, come on. And what did Jesus say? Go ahead, hit him again. Hit him. See, almost nobody's on that road. Everybody's on the road of, you kick my you what? I'll kick your you what? Eye for eye and tooth for tooth. What did Jesus say? No, you treat others the way you want to be treated. And then he says, wide is the road, and everybody's on it. And few are on the narrow road who say, I forgive you. I bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not there ain't many people on that road and that's the road of love well let me take you through a little farther how about this verse 15, 16 so there are few on the road right he says by their fruit you will recognize them what kind of fruit Verse 12, how we treat others. Now verse 20, by your fruit, you will recognize them. So let's talk about fruit. What are the fruit that we will see if we're walking with Jesus? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, by your fruit you will recognize them. What verses precede that in Galatians 5? Anger, greed, all kinds of sexual sin, proud ambitions, by their fruit 
you will recognize them. The road is wide that leads to destruction. What does he mean? Is he talking about hell? Maybe. How about this one? The wide road destroys relationships. The narrow road restores relationships. The wide road leads to isolation. The narrow road leads to community. Because the narrow road is marked by a, I've heard Mike's prayer. He prayed about selfless, selfish. Those who build on a rock, what Jesus is saying, become selfless. And those who build on sand just increasingly become selfish. So remember early on, probably 12, 11 weeks ago, 10 weeks ago, whenever it was, I used a sentence. To be a disciple of Jesus is to live my life in such a way it is though Jesus were living his life through us. And according to the scriptures, he is. Let me quote the Bible. Do you not know that your life is hidden with Christ in God? He is living his life. No, he wants to live his life through us. It's not, I gotta become a better Christian. No, no, no. Don't be a better Christian. Don't be a better Christian. Know that you are loved by Jesus and love in return. So then things come easily and readily and graciously. So when someone says something horrific about you because you are so connected to the person and the heart and words of Jesus, you respond like this. Go ahead. I told you, I can't remember what service I said this last week. I'm reading about people who, who were killed for following after Jesus. The primary book is called Foxes, F-O-X-E, Foxes, Book of Martyrs. Every morning, Lane and I pray, use a prayer book called Venite, and in there are names of people who've been martyred for Christ. And it was interesting, if you read the stories of the martyrs, so many of them, as they're being burned alive, heads chopped off, or whatever, they're absolutely at peace. They have a remarkable perspective and they blow away the executioners. So let me take you back to scripture. The Lord is our shepherd. We will not want. Everything we need in this life, we will have. And if we die, standing at Kirk's grave, quoting Romans, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So if we live or if we die, we are the Lord's. So I'm going to tell you one more time. Listen to this. You will not know when you die. You'll transfer from this life to the next. And the next life is beyond comparison. But we get opportunity to live in 
parts of that life right now. Jesus invites us into this life now. How did Jesus begin his first sermon? That repent, turn, change. We think, we think repentance like this. No, the simple metanoia basically means change how you think. We keep coming back to this. Everybody, it's right here. You live right here. Whatever this is runs your life. What are you doing with this? Everything runs through this. Everything. And so St. Paul says, be transformed. Metamorphosis by the renewing of your mind. Let's go back to the passage a little more. Let's go back to rock and sand. He says in, in verse, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So we often transpose and say the rock is Jesus, and that would be true. But in the passage, that's not true. The passage, the rock is hearing and acting on what Jesus has said. You build your life, we build our lives, the house of our lives, on what Jesus has taught us and showed us and empowered by Spirit. It's right here. It is not in our digital networks. If you're going to read no scripture the rest of your life, just read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Over and over and over and over. I want you to think about that one. In a new heaven and new earth, all of us will be Matthew 5, 6, and 7 people. Everyone. And Jesus says to us now, would you start now? This is why I've said multiple times in the years past, what we bring with us to the left, left, next life, listen carefully, is the character you have become. Who we are, our characters go with us into the next life. We want to have the character of Jesus and increasingly, even throughout eternity, become more and more and more and more and more and more and more like Jesus. I, I'm going to gently push back on the car wash theology of the end times. I came into heaven and I washed clean. Everything's great. I'm just, just I'm everything. I'm, I'm, I'm just perfect and I'm, I'm, everything's, I think everything is perfect, yes. But you will continue to grow and become more like Jesus for ever. Think, 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 about, think about this. If the theory is I go to heaven, I'm just like Jesus, really? So I can live however I want here and be as, as nominal a Christian or as nice a Christian. And then, and then on the other side, doesn't make any sense. Does, does that make any sense? Is that even logical? Is that logical at all? No. We think we're going to figure God out day one in eternity? I told you, you, you laugh when I say this. I want a million years with Jesus. I got questions. What are armadillos? <laughs> Why do children die young? Why can people not get pregnant when they want to get pregnant? Why do relationships blow up? 
Why were children abused? I got questions for Jesus. And I can be with him, and you can be with him. Forever. I'm getting at is we are practicing sports analogy. Our time on this earth, 60, 70, 80 years, we are practicing here for the game that lasts forever. You will bring with you the person you have become. And that's why we want to be increasingly like Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Well, let me go a little farther here real quick. Um, one more time, narrow, narrow road and wide gate, uh, verse 13. Make sure you get that real clear. Enter through the narrow gate. The narrow gate equals obedience and love. Enter through the, the gate of obedience and love. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Self-focused disobedience. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Now, please understand, this is not talking heaven and hell. This is talking about this present reality of the kingdom of the heavens here. One more time. Jesus' first sermon. Repent, change how you think, because the kingdom, I'm quoting Jesus, the kingdom of the heavens is here. Jesus also said, the kingdom of the heavens is within you. Jesus says the kingdom of the heavens is coming. The kingdom of the heavens is everywhere. We are invited to live in the wondrous reality of the kingdom starting now and forever. And that's our privilege and that's our opportunity. And the more we're like Jesus, the more we are salt, the more we are light, and the more we represent the one who lived and died for us. Last two slides, Morgan, please. So how do we build lives that stand in the storms of life? I'm using three words, delight, trust, and obey. Learning to delight in the Lord who delights in you. The best analogy I can think of in my age and stage in life is being a grandpa with a grand grandchild. When a little grandchild comes toward me, I delight in her and she delights in me. And we share a relationship of delight. Remember, I've said this to you a hundred times for sure. Calvin, Lewis, all kinds of scholars, Tua Tozer, listen to the sentence. What each of us thinks about God is the single most important thing about us. What each person thinks about God. Because that affects everything. Do you think that God delights in you? Do you believe in your heart of hearts that he is nuts for you? If you do, it is not hard to keep taking steps of trust because you believe you're loved. And once you're loved, you obey. 
right? And love is the deal. Next slide, please. So here's my summary of the Sermon on the Mount. We are blessed. We are salt. We are light. Now and forever. Amen. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we bless you that you invite us into this place of deep love and relationship. So can we just take a moment and now do some directed, silent prayer? Would you ask the Lord to, in your heart of hearts to tell you what he thinks about you? What does Jesus, the one who died for you, think about you? And if what you hear and see and feel is love, receive it. If it's not, reject it. Would you pray blessing over the people closest to you? In this week of Thanksgiving, would you pray blessing over the neighbors, meaning your family and friends, who you will spend time with? Would you pray blessing? Even if they have hurt you, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Would you pray that your sense of being loved would grow as with the gratitude that's in your heart? We love you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you. And we pray together in the name of Jesus. Amen.